Hello, and welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith, and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 76. This week, my lovely guest is Hallie Christensen. Now, Hallie is a hybrid author, and she writes for children, and she'll be telling us about her latest book, which is a middle-grade fantasy fiction. We'll be talking about marketing, social media, and um, how she created her audiobook, and lots more besides. So stick around for the interview. So at my desk this week, well... At my desk this week, hold on, sorry, small cough, switching it off for a minute. Um, Yes, at my desk this week, I've been busy with the editing. And I think I spoke about this um, last time, saying that that's what I'll be doing this week. So I've been really getting down to it. And I think um, the editing, it's a funny old game, really. I I think, uh, yeah, well, how to to begin discussing this? So it's quite a big job. So obviously the editor's gone through it and you're going to, you know, I work in Word, so does my editor. So you're going through doing the thing called the track changes and accepting or rejecting um, her suggestions. And I'm very, very pleased with my editor, Anna Sharples. She's absolutely brilliant. She's very talented. And I feel she gets me, which is, you know, and gets the point of these Midwich books. Um, However, as you work through it, there'll just be one or two things that I kind of think, no, I'm going to keep that as it is. And I think you have to kind of have a bit of confidence in yourself as a writer, because I think when you first start writing and the editor comes along, you tend to, you know, bow down to, you know, the greater, <laughs> the greater power of the editor. And uh, you begin to just accept everything blindly because you think, oh, they must be right. But I must admit, as an older author and somebody who's you know got a few books under their belt, as it were, I tend to... Um, have a really good consideration about, you know, whether I would take something out or change it. Now, I'm not talking about grammatical changes or, you know, spelling corrections or any of that kind of thing. You know, I'm obviously going to expect, accept all of that. And as you know, as I've often spoke about, I am slightly dyslexic. So, you know, I do make some really, <laughs> some really good mistakes that would drive you, drive you mad if you read it in the raw. So, you know, obviously she sorts all that out you know which is great but also you have to understand that you have to keep your author's voice or not so much your author's voice but the voice of the character that you're writing in now the midwitch books are written in the first person and they're also written in the first tense so they they are quite an immediate thing and so there's lots of kind of thoughts of this character that i'm writing as she's kind of going through her her journey and i think it's very important that you don't lose that to the um to the god of good grammar so some sometimes i decide that yes i can see that my editor's right you know when you look at it in the cold light of day but there's just the occasional odd sentence that i think no actually i think it's more true to the person you know that, that's that, that's telling the story and i don't mean me i mean the character so that it comes across as being a genuinely her and not some school teacher, which is actually what I am. Um, so this is the thing. So I think it's a very important thing to, you know, really have a good look at the editing process while you're doing it and make make these good decisions. So having said that, uh, my concentration levels are um, appallingly um scant so i you know i'm all right for about 45 minutes and then my mind wanders off which is why you know here i am editing and i just thought oh i'll just put the front of this podcast on um because as i was kind of thinking about the editing process my mind had gone off onto something else and and i'm as a a sort of an older person and i'm kind of used to my own um intellectual tics if you like 
uh, or oh, I understand how my own mind works and I'm very accepting of it. So I know that I can't keep on and on and on concentrating. And I think most human beings can't actually. I think you I think we all need a break. But I find as soon as my my attention has wandered off onto something else, I find I'm, you know, I'm rubbing the dog's tummy or, you know, I'm looking at my pin board or I'm thinking about what I'm going to cook for tea. It, you know, once once I'm doing that, I, it's time to stop and I need to move on and do either a different job to do with my publishing life or go and do some chores or actually take the dog for a walk or whatever that is and then come back to it fresh because I think if you're trying to force it you you don't you don't make a good job of it and it's no good just getting into that mode where you're just accepting everything and you're not really having a a genuine look at whether you think that's right for the the prose right for the story right for the book and the character in the book so, yeah, so there we are. Um, a lot of people, you see a lot of stuff online about people saying, oh, the editing, they hate the editing, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I don't actually hate the editing. I just find it quite hard to concentrate for a long period of time on this kind of thing. Because at the end of the day, you're basically marking a piece of work <laughs> or correcting a piece of work. And uh, and that can be a bit tiresome or and feel less creative, obviously, than writing the first draft. And um, and also there's other stuff to sort out apart from the actual way their words hang together on the page. You know, uh, my my editor, Anna Sharples, is very good at pointing out, you know, little plot points that aren't quite worth. And obviously they have to be sorted out and um, made good. And I have a big list of things. Sometimes I kind of sort it out straight away and go back. But sometimes it's a case of going forward and she checks, you know, the old document. And the, the books that came before to make sure everything hangs together and I haven't said somebody's got green eyes and then blue eyes or whatever you know and lots of other bits and pieces besides so it is quite a big job uh, I think the other thing is that's kind of daunting with the editing process is obviously I'm doing this first pass looking at my my work as Anna sees it now and then, of course, I'm probably going to have to go over it a couple more times and then it'll have to be proofread. So, you know, you, you're, you're still a, such a long way away from actually bringing it to the publishing, you know, to the publishing point where you're going to press press publish, which is, um, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, writing a book and bringing it into the world is, is a long job. It's a big job and uh, it's not something that you can rush. So anyway, so it's yeah, it, I find it quite enjoyable. I, I don't mind doing it and it's all part of the process so yeah happy days right anyway enough of me rabbiting on i hope you're having a good week wherever you are um so come and have a little listen to um my lovely guest hallie christensen on the words and pictures podcast this week my lovely guest is award-winning children's author all the way from alabama she has been a magician a park ranger and a disc jockey but today i want to talk to her about her being a children's author so Welcome, Hallie, to the Words and Pictures podcast. Lovely to see you. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's it's an absolute joy and great to talk to some children's authors because um, the children's authors, I found you quite hard to pin down and get on here. And I don't know why that is. I don't know whether you're often a bit younger, not always, but often a bit younger and you've probably got a lot going on in your life. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, for you to go, oh, yes, I'm going to commit to faffing about with the, with the podcast so I feel you're a little bit of a diamond in the rough I kind of grabbed hold of you here so that's that's great to have you and uh, and I've been looking at your bits and pieces so you've got two books out yes and uh, you're an indie publisher yeah like myself so so you're independently published 
one, the first one, the picture book is indie published. The second one was published through a small press. Oh, cool. So you're you're both sides of the camp. So I'm calling you a hybrid author now, which is which is exciting. And I think a lot of authors are feeling very confident that they can do both things. They can do a bit of indie press and they can do, you know, go to a small press or go to a big press. And and really I feel that as writers, whatever genre we're writing is in, I feel that we are uh, I feel the ball's in our court much more than it used to be in the olden days. And I think that's a really good thing moving forward. I think we're yeah. calling the shots, which is good. It looks like you are too. So let me ask you about your latest book, which is called uh, The Enchanted Misadventures with Great Aunt Poppy. I mean, that looks great stuff. T tell me about that. Yes. Uh, so it's about three siblings that have to spend a holiday with a relative that they don't particularly want to spend the holiday with um, because they think she's a witch. She's kind of creepy looking and she lives in a creepy house and she's got a ton of cats and she kind of dresses like a witch. And it's I one like of her already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> And it's one of those stories where the kids are like, why does nobody else think she's a witch? Because clearly she even dresses like one. And, and um, so they go, they have to spend the week at her house. And at first, you know, it's scary. And they get into some, as the title suggests, misadventures. They stumble upon her spell room um, and cast some spells by accident. And uh, then they end up helping her uh, solve a problem that she's having. There is a we'll say a certain mythical creature that has escaped and is roaming around her property. And so they have to help put it back. Um, just don't want to give away too many spoilers in case somebody wants to read it. But obviously they um, learned that she wasn't so scary, um, that she's actually a very you know sweet and kind person. And then they end up, you know, by the end, loving great aunt Poppy or Groppy as they have nicknamed her. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that sounds perfect, Groppy. I like that. We've all got, we, we, you know, British people, we have a big thing for nicknames. We nickname everybody and almost everybody we know, even if we don't say it to their face, we've always got a nickname for them. You know, it, it's just kind of a thing that we do. And my, my best friend is Norwegian and she just doesn't get it. She doesn't know why, why can you not just call people by their proper names? And I'm like, because we can't, we just have to give them another name, you know, because it's just, yeah. So I, I'm liking Groppy, that, that suits me. And it's for middle grade, Hallie. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, yeah. It's marketed for grades three through seven and ages eight through 12. So yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Which is quite a nice age to, um, you. a lot of children are on that cusp where they're having books read to them and they're reading a bit themselves or they're beginning to read up, up those chapter books and beginning to you know and, and I, I know when my children were that age I used to do a bit of both I would read a bit and then I'd get them to read a bit and I think yeah. it's it's quite nice to have those stories where you can kind of share the have the shared experience of of you know so I think if it appeals to the adult as well it it can be a good it can be a really good thing yes. yeah nice nice stuff so why do you write for children Hallie what what brings you to the children's market is it the kid in yourself or is it because you think of other children um it, it may be I think it's that first why well, I think of children too but the the kid in myself so I always I think like most people who aspire to be an author at some point when you were young you decided I want to write a book but the actual sitting down and doing that can take years. And that was what it was for me. I, I knew I wanted to write a book in high school. I knew I wanted to write a book in college, but it wasn't until years after college that I finally was like, okay, if we're going to write one, let's just sit down and write it. And then I realized 
I have no idea where to start. I have no idea how to craft a story. I hadn't read any craft books, writing craft books. I honestly didn't really know that 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 they existed. And obviously they do. And there's a ton of them. And I'm staring at some right now because I keep looking over. Um, And uh, when I first started writing, that was the voice that came. It was childlike. It was from like, you know, a a 10 year old's perspective. And when I started to write a novel, um, I actually was part of a online writing group and they had given like 40 prompts to write a novella. And I took the first prompt, which briefly just said, um, siblings have to go spend a trip with someone that that they don't like. And so that's how that prompt turned into um, Enchanted Misadventures with Great Aunt Poppy. And when I started writing, it's just that kid voice is what came through. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is my voice. This, this 10 to 12 year old or nine to 12 year old voice, it seems to be where my writing style is at. So it just, it just happened that way. Yeah. And I think that's lovely because I think, uh, you have uh, found found a voice that you that you understand and you can relate to and that you feel is a natural thing for you. Um, and, and as you've just got two books out and I'm a little bit further down the line, I'm obviously a lot older than you. Um, I, I think what's interesting about the writing experience, which I found from my own life, is um, I also began and wrote some children's stuff and then I wrote for adults. And now, you know, I'm writing for older adults. And I think it's very interesting how you will find that you can put on many different hats. And as you go through your writing journey, you you will find another voice, I promise you. Uh, and it'll be different again. You'll think, oh, hold on a minute. I didn't think I actually wanted, and it could be anything, a crime story, a horror story, you know, or writing for young adults or or very little children. You might want to do a picture book or something. And it's it's really interesting how suddenly this your mind will just spark and you go, hold on, I'm going to a completely different road now. You know, do you feel there's another book in you that you think that might be a completely different genre for you? Well, yes, actually. Um, so this book has a little bit of fantastical elements in it with some kind of, I would say, spooky elements, because in middle grade, you don't really get too much into, well, there is middle grade horror, but it's more suspense when we're talking about middle grade horror. And um, the next book that I wrote, I have actually two books out on submissions right now. And one of them is a middle grade horror. Um, and uh, But again, it's suspense. It's not so much like violence and gore when you think horror. And then the other one is a more traditional fantasy so like a set in like a medieval time and there's dragons and then put pirates in there too, because everybody likes pirates. Um, but you know, it's like a fun adventure. So those two, um, those two genres seem to be the ones I fit well with. A lot of times I will go back to spooky. I don't know why, because as a child, I hated scary movies. Um, goosebumps frightened me and, uh, like the goosebumps series. And I, I guess, um, well, when I tour at schools, I talk to them about, you know, picking genres and writing. And I'm like, I think the reason why I'm able to write scary books so well is because I know what it's like to be afraid, you know, to yes. be a kid afraid in the room and it's dark and the shadows and what they're doing and the extra things you're able to hear that you normally wouldn't hear if you weren't scared. So, so yeah, so um, spooky slash horror and uh, fantasy seem to be my two genres that I do well with right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting stuff. Yeah, and and it's oh, it'll give you a, a world of you know. It, it's I think it's true what you say. Sometimes the thing that w- really worried you when you were a child is often the thing that you can write about well as as an adult because you've got some kind of you know connection to it and and it, you can bring it into the reader. And and I think making it real for the reader, no matter 
what age the reader is is what the whole game is about i think yeah yeah absolutely oh yeah now i'm really bad at this because this is the words and pictures podcast and half the time i end up just talking about the writing <laughs> and i completely forget about anything else that i'm supposed to be asking you i've got it on my notes over here you know so tell me about your book covers hallie how did you how did you get your book covers um how did they come to, come into being was it a tricky process did you love it do they Actually, speak to you do did you get what you wanted they look nice oh yes most definitely so the first book is a picture book and i hired a freelance illustrator she used um it was ink and watercolor mm -hmm. and uh, she first asked me descriptions on how, how people looked um you know down to you know clothing and style and stature and hair and eyes and then she would send me a sketch back, just a rough pencil sketch. And we would work back and forth. Um, I remember when she sent me the one of the girl and then I saw the girl as more as like nine or 10 and hers looked more like 12 or 13. And so I was like, could you make her look younger? And the dragon is like, can you make it look friendlier? And and so, like I said, pencil sketches and, and notes back and forth. And then the final product I absolutely love. She did an amazing job. Um, she did the all the cover or all the pages in it as well um I just think that watercolor is very beautiful and then for the middle grade novel kind of the same thing um they said what are some ideas that you have for the cover and I thought well it takes place in the woods uh Aunt Poppy's house I think should be in there somewhere you know this creepy old looking house I didn't think we should see Aunt Poppy because I kind of wanted people to get with their own idea of what she might look like just from their imagination mm -hmm. um thought the kids should be in it i mentioned some of the other you know characters that were in the book and they sent me a mock sketch and the first one they sent i was like no this looks more young adult and this is for for middle grade and i said could you possibly change some of this or, or maybe even the the type of um illustration and they ended up choosing a completely different person and um said okay we're gonna go with this illustrator and she sent me three mock-ups for the cover and they all had like the same elements. It's just something was a different focal point in each of them. And so I chose the one with the children looking in the cauldron because I thought that looked the most you know interesting because it's like, what are they looking at? And people would be like, what, want to know what, what are they looking at? What's in the cauldron? Um, so I, I love the way it turned out, um, the cover. And I love that they put the cat on the cover because there is a cat in the book and uh, he's one of the main characters. And a lot of people, I mean, they love all the characters but so many children tell me, their favorite character is the cat <laughs> yeah 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 and, and I think I think that's great fun and also I think without having anything in the title so much having the cauldron on the front and possibly the cat gives you that idea that there's a little bit of witchcraft involved yes. and and I think that's that's very intriguing as well and I think uh you know as a picture tells a thousand stories it can you know but a, a good book cover if it's done right can you know really bring the reader into the sort of story that you you're trying to um sell at the end of the day you know yeah fascinating stuff uh so what's your work in progress what you're working on now right now i am working on a it's popular right now <laughs> it's not the reason i'm working on it. um a cozy middle grade fantasy um cozy fantasy just from being on tiktok i see a lot about that but then i also kind of like the aesthetic around a cozy fantasy it has fantastical elements but it's low stakes so there's not as much stress in reading the book because it's not a life and death situation it's more of like mm. a, an inner thing that you're having to work on while also mm. just dealing with everyday life and so um it takes place uh just in a small 
town. I have my main character. She's 11 years old and she's going to spend the summer with her grandmother who lives on a farm. Um, I did grow up on a farm, so I have experience being around cows and things like that. And so um, I'm pulling from, you know, my own memories of just living kind of in a farm town. And um, she is she is a witch, but she hasn't gotten her magical powers yet. So, you know, there's some little stress there about being like the only one school that hasn't gotten her magical powers. But she's going to enjoy this summer with her grandma and she ends up making a friend and and also overcoming some um, inner struggles that she has as well. So it's really cozy. I make sure that there's a ton of scents and good smells and comfy mm-hmm. and cozy clothes. And so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of baking. Um, yes, a lot of food. Yes, that's it. Food. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, a lot of comforts. Um, it's been it's been fun. It's it's a balance though, because it's like you still you still need some tension. Yeah, you've got to have something. Yeah. yeah have there's no jeopardy, there's no story. Because some people go, Oh, I don't know why you put so and so in. I'm like, Yeah, but you have to have I can't just write a book about a cozy cottage with a witch living in it and her dog, which is basically right. what my story's about. And then you know, you, you've got to have something go wrong, yeah. you know, even in yeah. a kid's kid's book, you know, otherwise you haven't got anything to put right, and that's what it's all about yeah it's it's interesting and it's interesting sometimes I mean I don't know whether you get this as so much as when you're writing for um children but uh in adult books sometimes you get reviews saying how much they disliked the bad person in it you know I like well you've got to have you've got to, he's got to be there yeah <laughs> otherwise you know what can you do you yeah know? otherwise there is no story you know and they go I don't know why he's in here we don't want to know about him and I'm like yeah but that's what it's that's what's happening so it is it is fascinating stuff um I find because I write for children as well I write under another name I write uh under a pen name of Tiger Molly for children and I completely neglect this side of my life um despite being a mother despite being a child uh, you know uh having children myself um I just find it really really hard to market how do you crack the marketing yes uh, no, you're right. Uh, children's um, publishing can be very hard to market for because uh, because social media is used for for so much now. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like in, in our stores, like in Barnes and Noble and in Books a Million, there's a, you know, a hashtag or hashtag book talk section. Yeah, and it's exactly. like the most yeah. popular ones. And and you look at that table and yes, it's all young adults. It's and all it's adult all, stuff. Yeah. Not children. So it's like, how do you market um, and that's something that I have had to try to research as well. I mean, one of the best ways for me to market my book um, locally is uh, going to schools and doing school visits. You know, that's one way that you can do that um, to get people to to know you. Um, I send out emails to teachers and librarians and, you know, market to, to them as well um, online. Um I live in I live in a smallish town. It's not too small, but you know they they have social media, they have magazines, they have newspapers. So I send out my information that way, and I send it to cities, you know, a few hours away from me, and they get it. And because some people, you know, they still read newspaper, or it's all online now. A lot of it is, and they'll read from there. Because I had I put it in a magazine that we had um, for our town, and you know, a teacher read that magazine and contacted me. It's like, hey, would you come do a school visit? Social media wise, who you're marketing to, a lot of times if children are on social media, they're not there to look up books. <laughs> so. No, exactly. Yeah, that's what's that's what's really hard, I think, because you're not you're trying to market to the adult who's going to buy the book for them, I suppose. Yeah, and that's you know that's yeah, yeah. that's it exactly. You're marketing to there's teacher talk, 
Um, and there's, you know, like library talk, you're, you're marketing towards librarians and teachers and parents. Um, so I know with like when my next book comes out, I'll plan on doing like, you know, a giveaway on Instagram and TikTok. And I'll use those hashtags in there to try to get the attention of librarians and teachers like, hey, this book's coming out. These are the tropes that are in it. Um, I also like to, um, with my books for my middle grade one, I had a teacher create a resource guide for teachers and I have it on my website and it's free. Yeah, so I saw that. Yeah, nice. Yeah. If you teach it in school, here's a complete resource guide that goes with all like your school learning codes and everything. So you've, you've got a lesson planned for you already. Yeah. And I'd be happy to come visit as well. And I do Zoom visits and in-person visits. Um, I've done one before for a school that was in California and it, it went well. Um, I was able to engage with um, her students, even though, you know, it was through Zoom. So um, yeah, there's, it, it is, it can be challenging. It's, you have to find different ways and, and some ways work and, and some don't, but yeah, it is definitely more difficult to, I would say, to market children's. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And also I think the, the marketing, side of being a, an author whether you know however you're published you, you know the marketing is pretty much down to you as the creator is is always very time consuming and you know i i vowed this year that i'm going to try and earmark some time that i'm going to spend on this other pen name so that i can kind of get it to do what it needs to do but but it is very hard to find find the time to make it make it work and, and to make a difference to it and the trouble with the social media is it really only works if you're very consistent I find it's no good flicking in twice a month that doesn't really have any impact you need to be there every day posting regularly on whatever platform that is yeah what do you think is the most useful platform well right now it's kind of a tie between TikTok and Instagram mm -hmm. and I say that because probably most people would say TikTok, but Instagram, there's still a lot of readers on there. There's still a lot of teachers and librarians and parents that are on Instagram as well. And uh, I mean, like, I'll give an example of that. Um, I posted a, you know, just a funny Pride and Prejudice video. And if you want to get two groups to feud against each other, compare the 2005 Pride and Prejudice to the 1995 Pride and Prejudice, which I will say, Colin Firth will always be my Mr. Darcy. So oh, I'm, me too, me too, definitely. But I thought that's is that just because I'm an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always in the 95 group, but you know, I'll always say like something about 95 is a little better than 2005, and you know, it'll just blow up. So I put that video on TikTok and it has it's got actually got 5,000 views. I put that same video on Instagram and it has almost 800,000 views. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, okay, your Pride and Prejudice people, a lot of your Regency people are here on Instagram. So it's just, you just never know. And that's something that can be helpful, helpful with social media as well. Recycle your videos. Anything that I post on TikTok, I also post on Instagram as well. Because it, it just, it does. It, it takes too much time to have something different. Oh, no, I, I put the stuff, same stuff through the whole thing. Yeah, I do as well. Yeah, and, and I find um, all the TikTok, I, I have a running... A running thing that I just put out, and I ju I just repost it every day. Three, three, four. It's the same thing. It's the same, the same thing. And um, I find if I don't put it on, it, I see my sales drop. And if I keep putting it on, it is literally the same thing. And it's been running for months, and it's just like a free ad basically, and it works. So yeah. I think if you find something that sticks and people react to, just keep doing it because I think TikTok, um, 
you know, you're still reaching different people, you know, through it, I think. Yeah, interesting. Well, I think it's it's ever a game. And also the trouble with it is it's changing all the time. You know, you yes. don't ever, you know, you think you've cracked it. today. Next yeah. week, not so good. So anyway, whatever's working for that moment, I think you've just got to embrace it, go for it, and then, you know, hope it lasts as long as it can. Yeah. Uh, so what was your favourite children's book, Hallie, when you were a child? What was the thing that you remember reading for the for the sort of age group that you write for? Gracious. Well, um, so I guess the typical answer for most of my generation, obviously, we read the Harry Potter series. But even before that, and, and I, I, I would take that book, those books, when they came out, I would like go into my closet and just shut myself in there for hours and, and just, just read until the book was done. So mm. I just, and I actually, for some reason, as a child, I liked to read it out loud. I don't know why, mm. but I guess it's, I was, cause I do, I enjoy audiobooks as well, but it was before I'd ever really listened to audiobooks. Um, well, I say that, and as a little kid on, on trips, I would get, I would go to the library and get the books on cassette. They were like the picture books. And that's what I would listen to in the car. I guess this is before cars had all the high technology they do now before even portable DVD players. And so I would just, I'm a nineties kid. And so I would like, you know, turn the page as you hear this sound, it would make that little tinkling sound and you turn the page and then would read the next page for you. So I enjoyed audiobooks. So yes, Harry Potter loved that. But then I also loved, um, there was one series called the boxcar children. And oh, I've heard of that. I haven't read it, but I, I have heard of it. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that series. Um, it's it's about it's these orphan kids that have to live that are living in a boxcar, which is a you know, a train thing. <laughs> Terrible terminology. I know um, what you mean. Yeah. And then also there was a series that I love, and it's more of a esoteric series, and not too many people have heard of it. It was called Hank the Cow Dog, and it actually started out as a self published series. The author lives in Texas. And it was just about um, these two dogs that lived on a ranch in Texas and just all the stuff, all the mischief that they would get into or have to try to fix or think that they were fixing and helping the farmer with. But he had like 40 books or something in the series. And I just, I ate those up and I was a part of his fan club. And so I just always liked the action or the adventure or, or the fantastical elements. So, um, you know, loved Ella Enchanted. I read that one. So I, I did the thing. We have um, AR points where you have to re read so many books to get AR points. And so I was just like taking off all the, the stories. And yeah. So I think there... what's interesting, though, is as, as you're telling me this, is that you're you're reading series. That's what you loved as a child. Do you think you're going to write a, more more in the in the books that you've written now? Is it going to become a series? Because I think kids do like that. They want to read the next one, the next one, the next yeah. one. You know, definitely. So the one of the books I have on submissions right now is a fantasy, that one that has that kind of medieval set time set to it. And I would love for that one to be a series. I made sure that, you know, there's not any loose strands because when you're mm -hmm. pitching to a publisher, you know, they want to make sure unless unless they like really, really love the idea. And no, we want this to be a series. Sometimes they want to see how well the first book sells. That one, I would love for it to be a series. I think as an author, you would love a series just because you're not having to create another world. <laughs> because mm. it can be difficult from book to book I'm creating all these new characters and personalities and a new world and it's like I'd love to just stay in a world for a little bit and then just see what all's there mm. yeah interesting stuff so you I see you've got your audio book out for 
or uh, groppy, I want to call <laughs> call Yes, that it's book. groppy, I want to call yeah. I want to call that book but groppy now. I see you've got the audiobook out. How did how did you how did that come about for you? Did you did you publish it wide? Uh, did you narrate it yourself? Or did you get a narrator to do it for you? Was it tricky? Well, this is actually where TikTok comes into play. I had a narrator reach out to me, an audiobook narrator on TikTok, and ask, because um, she had narrated a lot of YA and adult, um, close mm. to 100 at that point. And she said about, she had, you know, um, kids of her own and would really like to narrate children's books that they could listen to. And she had seen me on TikTok and she um, she liked the idea of my book and she wanted to know if I would let her narrate it. And I was like, I was flattered. Um, I had always thought about doing an audiobook, but I just, I hadn't come about to that yet. And like I said, published with a small press. So you have more leeway there with, with choosing certain things with working with a smaller press than you would with a larger press. And so I just reached out to them. I was like, Hey, this narrator, and I've listened to her cause I've watched her lives. I'm like, she's a lovely voice. Um, could we have her narrate the book? And they're like, sure. So, and she, she narrated it. And then um, she had me listen to it. So I listened to all the chapters, which was really nice to be able to nice. And then it's also weird at the same time to hear your words being spoken yeah, out yeah. loud as a story. It's, it's, I'm sure actors feel the same way when they watch movies and they're in it. It's just kind of like, Oh, um, but it was really nice. And, um, and so, yeah, so she, she did all of that basically. So I, yeah, it came out just a couple months ago and, um, mm. So that's how that came about. Yeah, yeah and I, I think it's nice to have it. Really nice. I've just recorded my audiobook of my adult stuff, yeah. um, which I've done myself. Uh, and <laughs> it's really hard to do. It's quite yeah. a hard thing to do. And I'm used to hearing my voice because of the podcast, which I've been doing for a couple of years now. And uh, and I thought, oh, you know, I could do this. But it, it actually took me quite a while to kind of get into the swing of things, not to go too quickly, you know, because you, you're kind of reading at a more measured pace. And uh, but it was it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. And I would just say it's not it's not beyond the wit of man to actually record it yourself. You know, your voice sounds fine to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's in, it's an interesting activity you know, to have a go. Although I have to also say that I do have a one of my daughters is a sound engineer. <laughs> oh, and nice. A little bit of help. So that yeah. so that so the technicalities I've had somebody kind of who was able to come in and go, no, mum. You know why are you an idiot, and just sort of kind of rejig my my stuff up so that it was it was all sounding a lot better when she'd got in there and sorted it out basically. So yeah, I hope to kind of get that you know up and running perhaps in the next two weeks. I've had the most awful um, computer failure. One of my computers just completely died. Oh, no. I, I lost a lot of stuff, and oh, no. we managed to get some of it back. So it it's been slightly stressful, which is why the podcast. Um, although once this goes out, we'll be fine. But the podcast um, kind of took a little dip. I just couldn't do anything for yeah. about a fortnight. So it's been horrible. So back your work up, people. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. Back your work up. Yeah. So my next question is, what do you think is the hardest thing about um, your writing life? What's What's the trickiest bit? So I don't want people to think writing is not enjoyable because it is. <laughs> but it's like there's little bits of, of every there's day. There's bits of it. There's bits of the day, isn't there? That you think? Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, writing can be very tricky depending on if you're, you know, a planner or a pantster or a planster, which is what I am in the middle. So I, you know, outline some of it and then also kind of like the creativity just to come as I sit down. Writing can be tricky, can take, you know, obviously months to years to write a book and then you get to editing, which some people don't realize once we finish the book, that's just the first draft. It goes through a ton of edits and editing can be a nightmare just because 
you're reading your story over and over and over again, and you're getting feedback from other people, and you're having to change things and to perfect things and, and add I'm things. bored with it by then. I'm I'm bored with it. I want to get on with the next thing. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> yeah, the next publishing is like if you're going to do indie publishing, there's a whole lot you got to do. If you're going to do traditional publishing, you got to get someone who wants your book. And then at that point, whichever way you go, then you have to do marketing as well, and which can be very difficult. And some people don't like you know, putting their, their face out there. So it's like they're having to market in different ways. And so there's just little bits of every, there's joy. There is joy in the journey, but there's little bits everywhere that can be stressful, honestly. So, yeah, yeah I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I think people, I, I don't know whether nowadays where we where so much on, there's so many authors like yourself, like, like me, and um, we're out there, we're on the TikTok one thing, and we're talking about our writing day quite often, you know, and sharing our journey, like here on the podcast. And, and I think it's interesting. I think people are now letting go this old idea of somebody just, you know, with a quill pen sat in an attic, knocking off a book and then giving yeah. it to a publisher who then publishes it and it's a great success and i think they're realizing how much actual blood sweat and tears goes into yes. everything any genre all of it it's it's actually really quite quite tough to you know having the idea is nothing the idea yeah. I, I can give you 10 ideas if you just want some ideas <laughs> just get a note but i'll tell you whatever get, throw some stuff out i mean I, my imagination is like on overdrive all the time especially in the middle of the night oh, um, yeah. That's not, but bringing it to fruition where you've actually got the book in your hand and you're actually saying, I did this and here it is, is, oh, yeah. you know, whatever, however it came into the world is, is it's, it's hard work. It is hard work. There's no, there's no getting away from it. And there's times when you have a real, I don't know, a real, sometimes I think, why am I doing this? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think I recently posted a video or maybe I have one saved in my drafts where, yeah, I, I asked this, like, you ask yourself, why, why am I doing this? And it's like, it's like, it's a weekly thing. So, yeah. 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 I think, I think it is true. Yeah. Sometimes it, sometimes it is a bit, why am I doing this? But having said that we do do it and I do feel quite, I don't know about you, but I feel quite driven to do it. Oh, you yes. know, I, I, it's, you know, I obviously have to sort of 15 more than 15, probably more, more like 20 years on, I'm still quite driven to, you know, do do what I do so yeah happy days uh, a moment ago um Hallie you were telling me about writing craft books what what have been the most useful to you um yes so one I know you have mentioned before on your podcast and I'll just mention again the save the cat I love the save the cat yeah um and just briefly for anyone who doesn't know it it plots out a novel for you in three acts and 15 different beats and each beat is a unit of action and um she compares it, the author does, to a lot of different um, books. And so you can kind of see how the same structure is used in stories. So it's a great way if you're just starting out writing, learning how to outline and just making sure you have every necessary piece that a story needs. When you're wanting to deal more into the meat of the matter, um, story genius, how to use brain science to go beyond outlining outlining and write a riveting novel. This one focuses oh, more. I don't know that one. That's yeah, good. This one um, focuses heavily on the internal struggle and how important it is um, to the story and the character's growth. Now I will say heavily because it really does. So, you know, when I read these things, you know, it's not like, you know, you don't have to do it just because it's in this book, but it has some really helpful things, especially with that internal struggle and how it needs to always be a conflict with the external struggle and just the importance of that. Um, so that book was really helpful. And then when you go to editing, the book you most certainly need 
is the emotion thesaurus. Oh yes, I've got that. Yeah, yeah. A writer's guide to character expression. Yeah. So, so you're not yeah. always smiling, nodding, smirking. Yeah. This gives you physical signals or internal signals to emotions characters are having. So you're not using those same ones over and over again. And and this is like one of my last editing stages. I'll do a control F on my Word document, type in like smile, see how many billions of times it pops up in my book. And then I'm like, okay, we're going to get rid of 90% of these and let's find a different emotion. Because yeah. I think when you're writing naturally, it's easy, easy just to keep repeating things that you that you do. Because I think you need to just get the story down on the page and then, you know, have a good tweak. Anyway, Hallie, we are almost out of time. Um, where can people find you and your books online? So uh, you can find me on my website, authorhalliechristensen.com. From there, it has all my social media tags. I'm on all of them and still learning some of them, like Threads and Blue Sky. But I'm mainly on TikTok, Instagram. Um, Twitter, I do have a Facebook page as well, uh, but they are all they're all tagged in there on my website. You can find my books there. They're also sold um, online on on Amazon, um, and they're also available online pretty much wherever books are sold as well. Cool, well done. Well, it's been lovely to talk to you, Hallie. Thank you for joining me on the Words and Pictures podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So lovely to talk to Hallie, and lovely to talk to another children's writer. Uh, because it's always fascinating. Every every writer is different, and I'm always ever hopeful that they're going to throw some light onto how to market children's books. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think the thing is the difference with Hallie is she's going into schools and doing all that kind of thing, which I could do, and and I am an old teacher, so I I could definitely do that. It's just really finding the time and finding the time to put yourself out there in order to make that happen. Um, you know, probably I need an assistant. But anyway, that's for another day. But if I do um, crack the children's marketing, I'll be sure and let you know here what the trick is. I haven't found it yet. Uh, but anyway, interesting stuff. And this is why I do the podcast, really, is because it's just so fascinating to talk to all these different writers. I have not yet met a writer that I didn't find absolutely incredibly interesting and, and just the whole process of what they're doing and how they're doing it. So I have... Um, Two guests coming up for the podcast. One of them writes thrillers and the other is writing a, a kind of a memoir. And uh, I don't know who's coming on next because um, those interviews are up to be recorded next week. So I can't tell you the names of them. Uh, the trouble is, you know, things happen. People do other stuff and, and sometimes the interview doesn't come up in the right in the order that you think it will. Um, you know, I might record somebody else before that or something i don't know so do stick around for next week um the, as you know the words and pictures podcast comes out every monday you can find it on your favorite app blah 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 you know how this goes favorite app ask alexa it's on my website <laughs> all that kind of thing um but do put the word out um the words and pictures podcast is growing quite nicely and if you'd like to come on and be a guest on the words and pictures podcast i don't mind what you write what stage you're writing i don't mind if you're writing and you're not published i don't mind if you're traditionally published or in fact if you are a hybrid author as hallu is or you're doing a bit of traditional and a bit of indie author as well, or you're an old indie author like me. And uh, so, you know, do do get in touch because I'd love to have a chat with you. And you can find a links page. Um, if you go to find me on social media, put Bowman Smith, you'll find me. Uh, there's, there's generally a links page on all those social medias and you'll see there's an FAQ page for the Words and Pictures podcast if you want to find out how to go about coming on and joining me and having a chat about your writing life. 
um, interesting stuff. Or in fact, it doesn't. You don't have to be a writer. I'm, I'm very interested if you're a book publisher, uh, if you are a small press, or you are a book designer, a formatter. You work in some other other way within the publishing world. Um, book cover design is what I was thinking of uh, but any of those other things an illustrator in fact is absolutely fascinating stuff um, so there we are that's my story <laughs> anyway it's been lovely to um, have you listening to this thank you for listening and um, I'll get in touch with you next week so this has been the words and pictures podcast I'm DJ Bowman Smith and till next time bye bye